Book One, Chapter Three, Part One of A Voyage Towards the South Pole and Round the World, Volume One by James Cook. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Cole, Medway, Massachusetts. Chapter Three Sequel of the Search for a Southern Continent Between the Meridian of the Cape of Good Hope and New Zealand, with an account of the separation of the two ships and the arrival of the Resolution in Dusky Bay. 1773, January. After meeting with this ice, I did not think it was at all prudent to persevere in getting farther to the south, especially as the summer was already half spent, and it would have taken up some time to have got round the ice, even supposing it to have been practicable, which, however, is doubtful. I therefore came to a resolution to proceed directly in search of the land lately discovered by the French, and, as the winds still continued at east by south, I was obliged to return to the north, over some part of the sea I had already made myself acquainted with, and, for that reason, wished to have avoided. But this was not to be done, as our course made good, was little better than north, in the night the wind increased to a strong gale, attended with sleet and snow, and obliged us to double-reef our topsails. About noon the next day the gale abated, so that we could bear all our reefs out, but the wind still remained in its old water. In the evening, being in the latitude of 64 degrees 12 minutes south, longitude 40 degrees 15 minutes east, a bird, called by us in my former voyage Port Egmont Hen, on account of the great plenty of them at Port Egmont in Falkland Isles, came hovering several times over the ship, and then left us in the direction of north-east. They are a short thick bird about the size of a large crow, of a dark brown or chocolate colour, with a whitish streak under each wing in the shape of a half-moon. I have been told that these birds are found in great plenty at the Faroe Isles north of Scotland, and that they never go far from land. Certain it is, I never before saw them above forty leagues off, but I do not remember ever seeing fewer than two together, whereas here was but one, which, with the islands of ice, may have come a good way from land. At nine o'clock, the wind veering to east-north-east, we tacked and stood to the south-south-east, but at four in the morning of the twentieth, it returned back to its old point, and we resumed our northerly course. One of the above birds was seen this morning, probably the same we saw the night before, as our situation was not much altered. As the day advanced, the gale increased, attended with thick hazy weather, sleet and snow, and at last obliged us to close-reef our topsails and strike topgallant yards. But in the evening the wind abated, so as to admit us to carry whole topsails and topgallant yards aloft. Hazy weather with snow and sleet continued. In the afternoon of the 21st, being in the latitude of 62 degrees 24 minutes south, longitude 42 degrees 19 minutes east, we saw a white albatross with black-tipped wings and a pintado bird. The wind was now at south and southwest a fresh gale. 
With this we steered north-east against a very high sea, which did not indicate the vicinity of land in that quarter, and yet it was there we were to expect it. The next day we had intervals of fair weather, the wind was moderate, and we carried our studding sails. In the morning of the 23rd we were in latitude of 60 degrees 27 minutes south, longitude 45 degrees 33 minutes east. Snow showers continued, and the weather was so cold that the water in our water vessels on deck had been frozen for several preceding nights. Having clear weather at intervals, I spread the ships abreast four miles from each other, in order the better to discover anything that might lie in our way. We continued to sail in this manner till six o'clock in the evening, when hazy weather and snow showers made it necessary for us to join. We kept our course to north-east till eight o'clock in the morning of the twenty-fifth, when the wind having veered round to north-east by east, by the west and north we tacked, and stood to north-west. The wind was fresh, and yet we made but little way against a high northerly sea. We now began to see some of that sort of petrels so well known to sailors by the name of shearwaters, latitude 58 degrees 10 minutes, longitude 50 degrees 54 minutes east. In the afternoon the wind veered to the southward of east, and at eight o'clock in the evening it increased to a storm, attended with thick hazy weather, sleet and snow. During night we went under our foresail, and main topsail close reefed. At daylight the next morning added to them the fore and mizzen topsails. At four o'clock it fell calm, but a prodigious high sea from the northeast, and a complication of the worst of weather, viz., snow, sleet, and rain continued, together with the calm till nine o'clock in the evening. Then the weather cleared up and we got a breeze at southeast by south. With this we steered north by east till eight o'clock the next morning, being the twenty-seventh, when I spread the ships and steered north-northeast, all sails set, having a fresh breeze at south by west and clear weather. At noon we were by observation in the latitude of fifty-six degrees twenty-eight minutes south, and about three o'clock in the afternoon, the sun and moon appearing at intervals, their distances were observed by the following persons, and the longitude resulting therefrom was, by Mr. Wales, the mean of two sets, fifty degrees fifty-nine minutes east, Lieutenant Clerk, fifty-one degrees eleven minutes, Mr. Gilbert, fifty degrees fourteen minutes, Mr. Smith, fifty degrees fifty minutes, Mr. Kendall's watch, fifty degrees fifty minutes. At six o'clock in the evening, being in latitude fifty-six degrees nine minutes south, I now made signal to the adventure to come under my stern, and at eight o'clock the next morning sent her to look out on my starboard beam, having at this time a fresh gale at west and pretty clear weather. But this was not of long duration, for, at two in the afternoon, the sky became cloudy and hazy, the wind increased to a fresh gale, blew in squalls attended with snow, sleet, and drizzling rain. I now made signal to the adventure to come under my stern, and took another reef in each topsail. At eight o'clock I hauled up the mainsail, and run all night under the foresail, and two topsails, our course being north-north-east and north-east by north, 
with a strong gale at north-west. The twenty-ninth at noon we observed in latitude fifty-two degrees twenty-nine minutes south, the weather being fair and tolerably clear. But in the afternoon it again became very thick and hazy with rain, and the gale increased in such a manner as to oblige us to strike topgallant yards, close reef and hand the topsails. We spent part of the night, which was very dark and stormy, in making a tack to the south-west, and in the morning of the thirtieth stood again to the north-east, wind at north-west and north a very fresh gale, which split several of our small sails. This day no ice was seen, probably owing to the thick hazy weather. At eight o'clock in the evening we tacked and stood to the westward under our courses, but as the sea ran high we made our course no better than south-south-west. At four o'clock the next morning the gale had a little abated, and the wind had backed to west by south. We again stood to the northward under courses and double-reefed topsails, having a very high sea from the north-northwest, which gave us but little hopes of finding the land we were in search of. At noon we were in the latitude of fifty degrees fifty-six minutes south, longitude fifty-six degrees forty-eight minutes east, and presently after we saw two islands of ice. One of these we passed very near, and found that it was breaking or falling to pieces by the crackling noise it made, which was equal to the report of a four-pounder. There was a good deal of loose ice about it, and had the weather been favourable, I should have brought to and taken some up. After passing this we saw no more, till we returned again to the south. 1773 February Hazy gloomy weather continued, and the wind remained invariably fixed at north-west, so that we could make our course no better than north-east by north, and by this course we held until four o'clock in the afternoon of the 1st of February, being then in the latitude of 48 degrees 30 minutes, and longitude 58 degrees 7 minutes east, nearly in the meridian of the island of Mauritius, and where we were to expect to find the land said to be discovered by the French, of which at this time we saw not the least signs, we bore away east. I now made the signal to the adventure to keep at the distance of four miles on my starboard beam. At half an hour past six, Captain Furneaux made the signal to speak with me, and upon his coming under my stern, he informed me that he had just seen a large float of sea or rockweed, and about it several birds, divers. These were certainly signs of the vicinity of land, but whether it lay to the east or west was not possible for us to know. My intention was to have got into this latitude four or five degrees of longitude to the west of the meridian we were in, and then to have carried on my researches to the east. But the west and north-west winds we had had for the five preceding days prevented me from putting this in execution. The continual high sea we had lately had from the north-east, north, north-west, and west, left me no reason to believe that land of any extent lay to the west. We therefore continued to steer to the east, only lying to a few hours in the night, and in the morning resumed our course again, four miles north and south from each other, the hazy weather not permitting us to spread farther. We passed two or three small pieces of rock-weed, and saw two or three birds 
known by the name of egg-birds, but saw no other signs of land. At noon we observed in latitude 48 degrees 36 minutes south, longitude 59 degrees 35 minutes east, as we could see only a few miles farther to the south, and as it was not impossible that there might be land not far off in that direction, I gave orders to steer south a half east, and made the signal for the adventure to follow, she being by this movement thrown astern. The weather continuing hazy till half an hour past six o'clock in the evening, when it cleared up so as to enable us to see about five leagues round us. Being now in the latitude of forty-nine degrees thirteen minutes south, without having the least signs of land, I wore and stood again to the eastward, and soon after spoke with Captain Furneaux. He told me that he thought the land was to the northwest of us, as he had at one time observed the sea to be smooth when the wind blew in that direction. Although this was not conformable to the remarks we had made on the sea, I resolved to clear up the point, if the wind would admit of my getting to the west in any reasonable time. At eight o'clock in the morning of the third, being in the latitude of forty-eight degrees fifty-six minutes south, longitude sixty degrees forty-seven minutes east, and upwards of eight degrees to the east of the meridian of the Mauritius, I began to despair of finding land to the east, and as the wind had now veered to the north, resolved to search for it to the west. I accordingly tacked and stood to the west with a fresh gale. This increased in such a manner that, before night, we were reduced to our two courses, and at last obliged to lie to under the foresails, having a prodigious high sea from west-north-west, notwithstanding the height of the gale, was from north by west. At three o'clock the next morning, the gale abating, we made sail, and continued to ply to the west till ten o'clock in the morning of the sixth. At this time, being in the latitude of forty-eight degrees six minutes south, longitude fifty-eight degrees twenty-two minutes east, the wind seemingly fixed at west-north-west, and seeing no signs of meeting with land, I gave over plying, and bore away east a little southerly. Being satisfied that if there is any land hereabout, it can only be an isle of no great extent, and it was just as probable I might have found it to the east as to the west. While we were plying about here, we took every opportunity to observe the variation of the compass, and found it to be from twenty-seven degrees fifty minutes to thirty degrees twenty-six minutes west. Probably the mean of the two extremes, viz. twenty-nine degrees four minutes, is the nearest of the truth, as it nearly agrees with the variation observed on board the adventure. In making these observations we found that, when the sun was on the larboard side of the ship, the variation was the least, and when on the starboard side the greatest. This was not the first time we had made this observation, without being able to account for it. At four o'clock in the morning of the seventh, I made the adventure signal to keep at a distance of four miles on my starboard beam, and continued to steer east-south-east. This being a fine day, I had all our men's bedding and clothes spread on deck to air, and the ship cleaned and smoked betwixt decks. At noon I steered a point more to the south, being then in the latitude of forty-five degrees forty-nine minutes south, 
longitude 61 degrees 48 minutes east. At six o'clock in the evening I called in the adventure, and at the same time took several azimuths, which gave the variation 31 degrees 28 minutes west. These observations could not be taken with the greatest accuracy, on account of the rolling of the ship, occasioned by a very high westerly swell. The preceding evening three Port Egmont hens were seen. This morning another appeared. In the evening and several times in the night penguins were heard, and at daylight in the morning of the 8th several of these were seen, and divers of two sorts, seemingly such as are usually met with on the coast of England. This occasioned us to sound, but we found no ground with a line of 210 fathoms. Our latitude was now 49 degrees 53 minutes south, and longitude 63 degrees 39 minutes east. This was at 8 o'clock. By this time the wind had veered round by the northeast to east, blew a brisk gale, and was attended with hazy weather, which soon after turned to a thick fog, and at the same time the wind shifted to northeast. I continued to keep the wind on the larboard tack, and to fire a gun every hour till noon, when I made the signal to tack and tacked accordingly. But as neither this signal nor any of the former was answered by the adventure, we had but too much reason to think that a separation had taken place, though we were at a loss to tell how it had been effected. I had directed Captain Fourneau, in case he was separated from me, to cruise three days in the place where he last saw me. I therefore continued making short boards and firing half-hour guns, till the ninth in the afternoon, when, the weather having cleared up, we could see several leagues round us, and found that the adventure was not within the limits of our horizon. At this time we were about two or three leagues to the eastward of the situation we were in when we last saw her, and were standing to the northwest with a very strong gale at north-northwest accompanied with a great sea from the same direction. This, together with an increase of wind, obliged us to lie to till eight o'clock the next morning, during which time we saw nothing of the adventure, notwithstanding the weather was pretty clear, and we had kept firing guns and burning false fires all night. I therefore gave over looking for her, made sail and steered south-east, with a very fresh gale at west by north, accompanied with a high sea from the same direction. While we were beating about here, we frequently saw penguins and divers, which made us conjecture the land was not far off, but in what direction it was not possible for us to tell. As we advanced to the south, we lost the penguins and most of the divers, and, as usual, met with abundance of albatrosses, blue petrels, sheer waters, etc., the eleventh at noon, and in a latitude of fifty-one degrees fifteen minutes south, longitude sixty-seven degrees twenty minutes east, we again met with penguins, and saw an egg-bird, which we also look upon to be a sign of the vicinity of land. I continued to steer to the south-east, with a fresh gale in the north-west quarter, attended with a long hollow swell, and frequent showers of rain, hail, and snow. The twelfth in the morning, being in the latitude of fifty-two degrees thirty-two minutes south, longitude sixty-nine degrees forty-seven minutes east, the variation was thirty-one degrees thirty-eight minutes west. 
in the evening in the latitude of fifty three degrees seven minutes south longitude seventy degrees fifty minutes east it was thirty two degrees thirty minutes and the next morning in the latitude of fifty three degrees thirty seven minutes south longitude seventy two degrees ten minutes it was thirty three degrees eight minutes west thus far we had continually a great number of penguins about the ship which seemed to be different from those we had seen near the ice being smaller with reddish bills and brownish heads the meeting with so many of these birds gave us some hopes of finding land and occasioned various conjectures about its situation the great westerly swell which still continued made it improbable that land of any considerable extent lay to the west nor was it very probable that any lay to the north as we were only about a hundred and sixty leagues to the south of tasman's track in sixteen forty two and i conjectured that captain furneaux would explore this place which accordingly happened in the evening we saw port egmont hen which flew away in the direction of northeast by east and the next morning a seal was seen but no penguins in the evening being in the latitude of fifty five degrees forty nine minutes south longitude seventy five degrees fifty two minutes east the variation was thirty-four degrees forty-eight minutes west, and in the evening of the fifteenth, in latitude fifty-seven degrees two minutes south, longitude seventy-nine degrees fifty-six minutes east, it was thirty-eight degrees west. Five seals were seen this day, and a few penguins, which occasioned us to sound, without finding any bottom, with a line of a hundred and fifty fathoms at daylight in the morning of the sixteenth we saw an island of ice to the northward for which we steered in order to take some on board but the wind shifting in that direction hindered us from putting this in execution at this time we were in the latitude of fifty seven degrees eight minutes south longitude eighty degrees fifty nine minutes east and had two islands of ice in sight this morning we saw one penguin which appeared to be of the same sort which we had formerly seen near the ice. But we had now been so often deceived by these birds, that we could no longer look upon them, nor indeed upon any other oceanic birds, which frequent high latitudes, as sure signs of the vicinity of land. The wind continued not long at north, but veered to east by northeast, and blew a gentle gale, with which we stood to the southward, having frequent showers of sleet and snow. But in the night we had fair weather, and a clear, serene sky, and between midnight and three o'clock in the morning, lights were seen in the heavens, similar to those in the northern hemisphere, known by the name of Aurora Borealis, or Northern Lights. But I never heard of the Aurora Australia being seen before. The officer of the watch observed that it sometimes broke out in spiral rays, and in a circular form. Then its light was very strong, and its appearance beautiful. He could not perceive it had any particular direction, for it appeared at various times in different parts of the heavens, and diffused its light throughout the whole atmosphere. At nine o'clock in the morning we bore down to an island of ice which we reached by noon. It was full half a mile in circuit, and two hundred feet high at least, though very little loose ice about it. 
but while we were considering whether or not we should hoist out our boats to take some up, a great quantity broke from the island. Upon this we hoisted out our boats and went to work to get some on board. The pieces of ice, both great and small, which broke from the island, I observed, drifted fast to the westward. That is, they left the island in that direction, and were, in a few hours, spread over a large space of sea. This, I have no doubt, was caused by a current setting in that direction, for the wind could have but little effect upon the ice, especially as there was a large hollow swell from the west. This circumstance greatly retarded our taking up ice. We, however, made a shift to get on board about nine or ten tons before eight o'clock, when we hoisted in the boats and made sail to the east, inclining to the south, with a fresh gale at south, which soon after veered to south-south-west and south-west, with fair but cloudy weather. This course brought us among many ice isles, so that it was necessary to proceed with great caution. In the night the mercury in the thermometer fell two degrees below the freezing point, and the water in the scuttle casks on deck was frozen. As I have not taken notice of the thermometer of late, I shall now observe that as we advanced to the north, the mercury gradually rose to forty-five and fell again, as we advanced to the south, to what is above mentioned, nor did it rise in the middle of the day to above thirty-four or thirty-five. In the morning of the eighteenth, being in the latitude of fifty-seven degrees fifty-four minutes south, longitude eighty-three degrees fourteen minutes east, the variation was thirty-nine degrees thirty-three minutes west. In the evening, in latitude 58 degrees 2 minutes south, longitude 84 degrees 35 minutes east, it was only 37 degrees 8 minutes west, which induced me to believe it was decreasing. But in the evening of the 20th, in the latitude of 58 degrees 47 minutes south, longitude 90 degrees 56 minutes east, I took nine azimuths with Dr. Knight's compass, which gave the variation 40 degrees 7 minutes, and nine others with Gregory's, which gave 40 degrees 15 minutes west. This day at noon, being nearly in the latitude and longitude just mentioned, we thought we saw land to the southwest. The appearance was so strong that we doubted not it was there in reality, and tacked to work up to it accordingly, having a light breeze at south and clear weather. We were, however, soon undeceived, by finding that it was only clouds, which in the evening entirely disappeared, and left us a clear horizon, so that we could see a considerable way round us, in which space nothing was to be seen but ice islands. In the night the aurora australis made a very brilliant and luminous appearance. It was seen first in the east a little above the horizon, and in a short time spread over the whole heavens. The twenty-first in the morning, having little wind and a smooth sea, two favourable circumstances for taking up ice, I steered for the largest ice island before us, which we reached by noon. At this time we were in the latitude of fifty-nine degrees south, longitude ninety-two degrees thirty minutes east, having about two hours before seen three or four penguins. Finding here a good quantity of loose ice, I ordered two boats, out, and sent them to take some on board. While this was doing, the island, which was not less than half a mile in circuit and three or four hundred feet high above the surface of the sea, 
turned nearly bottom up, its height, by this circumstance, was neither increased nor diminished apparently. As soon as we had got on board as much ice we, as we could dispose of, we hoisted in the boats and made sail to the south-east, with a gentle breeze at north by east, attended with showers of snow and dark gloomy weather. At this time we had but few ice islands in sight, but the next day seldom less than twenty or thirty were seen at once. The wind gradually veered to the east, and at last, fixing at east by south, blew a fresh gale. With this we stood to the south, till eight o'clock in the evening of the twenty-third, at which time we were in the latitude of sixty-one degrees fifty-two minutes south, longitude ninety-five degrees two minutes east. We now tacked and spent the night, which was exceedingly stormy, thick and hazy, with sleet and snow, in making short boards. Surrounded on every side with danger, it was natural for us to wish for daylight. This, when it came, served only to increase our apprehensions, by exhibiting to our view those huge mountains of ice, which in the night we had passed without seeing. These unfavourable circumstances, together with dark nights at this advanced season of the year, quite discouraged me from putting in execution a resolution I had taken of crossing the Antarctic Circle once more. Accordingly, at four o'clock in the morning we stood to the north, with a very hard gale at east-south-east, accompanied with sleet and snow, and a very high sea from the same point, which made great destruction among the ice islands. This circumstance, far from being of any advantage to us, greatly increased the number of pieces we had to avoid. The large pieces which break from the ice islands are much more dangerous than the islands themselves. The latter are so high out of water that if we can generally see them, unless the weather be very thick and dark, before we are very near them, whereas the others cannot be seen in the night till they are under our ship's bows. These dangers were, however, now become so familiar to us that the apprehensions they caused were never of long duration, and were in some measure compensated both by the seasonable supplies of fresh water these ice islands afforded us, without which we must have been greatly distressed, and also by their very romantic appearance, greatly heightened by the foaming and dashing of the waves into the curious holes and caverns which are formed in many of them, the whole exhibiting a view which at once filled the mind with admiration and horror, and can only be described by the hand of an able painter. Towards the evening the gale abated, and in the night we had two or three hours calm. This was succeeded by a light breeze at west, with which we steered east, under all the sail we could set, meeting with many ice islands. This night we saw a port Egmont hen, and next morning being the twenty-fifth another. We had lately seen but few birds, and these were albatrosses, sheer waters, and blue petrels. It is remarkable that we did not see one of either the white or Antarctic petrels, since we came last among the ice. Notwithstanding the wind kept it west and north-west all day, we had a very high sea from the east, by which we concluded that no land could be near in that direction. In the evening, being in the latitude 60 degrees 51 minutes, longitude 95 degrees 41 minutes east, the variation was 43 degrees 6 minutes west, and the next morning being the 26th, 
having advanced about a degree and a half more to the east, it was forty-one degrees thirty minutes, both being determined by several azimuths. We had fair weather all the afternoon, but the wind was unsettled, veering round by the north to the east. With this we stood to the south-east and east till three o'clock in the afternoon, when, being in the latitude of sixty-one degrees twenty-one minutes south, longitude ninety-seven degrees seven minutes east, we tacked and stood to the northward and eastward, as the wind kept veering to the south. This in the evening increased to a strong gale, blew in squalls, attended with snow and sleet, and thick hazy weather, which soon brought us under our close-reefed topsails. Between eight in the morning of the twenty-sixth and noon the next day, we fell in among several islands of ice, from whence such vast quantities had broken as to cover the sea all round us, and render sailing rather dangerous. However, by noon we were clear of it all. In the evening the wind abated and veered to south-west, but the weather did not clear up till the next morning, when we were able to carry all our sails, and met with but very few islands of ice to impede us. Probably the late gale had destroyed a great number of them. Such a very large hollow sea had continued to accompany the wind as it veered from east to south-west, that I was certain no land of considerable extent could lie within a hundred or a hundred and fifty leagues of our situation between these two points. The mean height of the thermometer at noon, for several days past, was at about thirty-five, which is something higher than it usually was in the same latitude about a month or five weeks before. Consequently the air was something warmer. While the weather was really warm, the gales were not only stronger but more frequent, with almost continual misty, dirty, wet weather. The very animals we had on board felt its effects. A sow having in the morning farrowed nine pigs, every one of them was killed by the cold before four o'clock in the afternoon, notwithstanding all the care we could take of them. From the same cause, myself as well as several of my people, had fingers and toes chilblained. Such is the summer weather we enjoyed. End of Book One, Chapter Three, Part One.